Great job, guys. The worship this morning was very, very good. Thank you all for doing that. The words in the songs, if you all are paying attention to them, are just chock full of good news. Good news that I need to hear every day. Uh, it's, it's always a wonderful reminder that uh, I feed off of. Um, in the Gospel of John, starting at chapter 18, we read these words. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with him. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. <laughs> I'm sorry, I like that part. Uh, you know, here is the great I am saying I am in front of them, and it's, you know, shockwaves, right? They drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken of those whom you have gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. See, there's one thing that stands out in the Gospel of John that is different than the other three Gospels. The absence of any mention of the Lord's Supper. John does set the scene in chapter 13 where the upper room event takes place. But the supper itself is largely skipped over. We don't have Jesus taking the bread and breaking it or taking the cup and blessing it. We have Judas leaving to betray Jesus and then John moves on to Jesus speaking with the disciples for four chapters. Even though John skips over the supper, he includes wonderful, comforting words from Jesus that no one else does. When reading this passage between the upper room and the arrest of Jesus, it is easy for us to miss that this is the same night when all this stuff happened. It is easy to miss that Jesus for sure took an actual cup of actual wine and said these actual words, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is also the same night he said to Peter, Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? You have heard me reference that what happened on the cross was referred to by Martin Luther as the happy exchange. Why is it happy? Because this is where Christ takes all, all, past, present, future, all, in total, complete, entire, the sins that you don't think it covers, especially those our sins and gives us all total complete entire all of his righteousness that is why it's called the happy exchange he takes every shameful thought every cattywampus and wampajawed word and every sinful deed and action and he gives us his thoughts his deeds his actions to count as if they are ours truly good thoughts we would never begin to think kind words we would have never have said Perfect deeds which we have never done and could never do. 
all yours. Count it as if yours. This happy exchange on the cross is well represented in those two cups. Jesus talks about the night when he was betrayed. There is a cup of wrath of God for sinners with my, names, with my name on it, with all of our names on it. It is a cup full to the top with what our sin, my sin, earned, the wages of death. Jesus cannot miss one drop, skip one drop, spit out one drop. He must drink all of it dry. It is a cup of death, and it is the cup that I deserve. It is the cup that we deserve. The justice of a three-time holy God demands that this cup must be consumed by someone. To those who believe that this cup did not have your name on it, you are far worse than you think you are. It's there. I am far worse than I think I am. It was there. My name was without a doubt on that cup. All the wages that all of my sin earned was in that cup. But God loves me and loves you so much more than you think he does. The love of God is not willing to have us drink the cup that we deserve. So God does something that is out of this world, out of this universe, out of what is even thinkable. He drinks it himself. Boom. Imagine the shockwave. If that was a movie scene or in a novel, the pivotal point, pivotal point in everything leading up to that point, when seeing that cup with my name on it, knowing that that's what I got to drink, and God takes it and gulps it himself. Dry. Imagine the scandal that this scene would be. Jesus Christ on the cross drank your cup of death dry. Every drop of it was consumed by him on the cross. Jesus dies drinking the wages of our sin. Sadly, many might tell you that there's still something left in that cup to drink. When you sin, when you blow it big time, when you fail as a Christian or fail, period, they might try to press that cup against your lips and demand that you drink. But there is nothing in it. It is bone dry because Christ has already consumed all of it. Instead, we have been given another cup to drink, a cup of kindness and forgiveness, a cup of the blood of the very one who drank that other cup in our place, a cup that God himself says is for you. There is no wrath or death in that cup. There is only life and salvation. This cup is pure gift and grace. So in this life that is short but hard, full of failure, know this, the good news that the cups have been reversed. The same night Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, speaking of forgiveness in life, he also spoke of the cup filled with wages of our sin that him, he himself would drink. And while hanging on a rugged cross for the sins of the world, he did just that. Peter tried to stand between Jesus with a drawn sword, but Jesus wouldn't have any of it. Sometimes we, he, won't allow, he won't allow us to stand in his way either, nor will he allow you to taste one sip of that cup of wrath. Instead, he stands between all of us and that cup of judgment. He says, I will drink this one. I'll give you another. Will the men come forward, please? If you're here this morning, this is the first time you're visiting here, we have an open table. If you have faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, you're welcome to join us in this supper as well. Why? Because it is for you. Even if right now, this, if this is the moment right now for the first time ever, you realize that it's true, it's true, Jesus Christ died for me, 
Jesus Christ died for you, you are welcome to join this. Tell us afterwards it was your first time. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to celebrate with you. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. What is the benefit of eating and drinking? It's the words. It's the words that are attached to this supper. Because they're Christ's words. They're his words. Given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. It shows us that in the table, forgiveness of sins, life and salvation are given us through the words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. How can bodily eating and drinking do such great things? Certainly not just eating and drinking do these things, but it's the words. It's the words. Given and shed for the forgiveness of sins. These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the Lord's Supper. Because whoever believes the words, whoever believes the words, whoever believes the words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, have exactly that. Forgiveness of sins. Dearly, Father, we thank you so much this morning for dying on the cross for our sins. We thank you so much that it is something that's happened outside of us for us. Thank you, Lord, for your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Good morning, everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. And it's good to see each and every one of you and all the, uh, anybody who's new here is welcome to Family Life Church in Swanee. Um, I'm, uh, I'm one of the pastor's son-in-laws. He is out of town this weekend. He's, uh, I don't know, he's doing some cowboy thing or something like that that I heard, you know, with his horses. So, But he's out of town, so all you newcomers, you know, uh, he's not here today, but I'm sure he would love to meet you uh, if you return. So um, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. But I am one of the son-in-laws, uh, Pastor Zach, who shared with the communion. That's the other son-in-law, but uh, the, uh, the American one, should I say? So it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And uh, I um, have the opportunity of sharing the word this morning. And uh, just for a few minutes, if I can take up some of your time, if that's okay. And uh, I always find it a privilege and a blessing to open up the word of the Lord and share the good news, as Pastor Zach has said. Um, also, it's my wife's birthday today, so if you do see her... She's, she escaped down to the kids. She doesn't like being up on the stage. But if you do see her, wish her a happy birthday. But don't tell her I told you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, we could have sung with her, but she took off to the kids. We usually sing to everybody as happy birthday. But not today. Not today. But... Uh, if you have a, a few minutes of your time, I'd like to share a little bit with you. You know, we was gone on a trip last week um, with the family, and it was really, not last week, the week before, and uh, we went up north to Boston and that area, and, and it was really neat, and there's a lot of history up in Boston, and uh, a lot of American history, should I say. Now, I would say I am an American citizen, but I am from Scotland, but I am American, so, you know, um, we are allies, should we say? Um, uh, so it was good to get up there and learn more of the American history. You know, I, I never did spend a lot of time in American school, so uh, it's, it's interesting to learn the history of America. And, you know, you're coming up to the 4th of July next week where it's like your Independence Day, should I say, 4th of July. And, uh, and hopefully I, I wanted to give you, I wanted a Scotsman to give you a little bit of American history. So bear with me. I'll give you a little bit of American history, and I'm hoping it ties in with my message this morning, okay? So, when we, as we approach the 4th of July, it is a time to reflect on living in a country that allows people to live freely, and the sacrifice that was made by many for us to live here freely. So, I'm going to take you back in time a little bit. On July 4th, 1776, the 13 colonies claimed their independence from England. Sorry, Ben. Are you Ben? <laughs> An event which eventually led to the formation of the United States. So each year on July 4th, also known as Independence Day, America celebrates this historic event. Conflict between the colonies and England was already a year old when the colonies conveyed a, a Continental Congress in Philadelphia in the summer of 1776. In a June 7th session in the now-known Independence Hall, Richard Henry, Henry Lee of Virginia presented a resolution with the famous words that these united colonies are 
and of right ought to be free and independent states. That they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. On July 1st, 1776, the Continental Congress reconvened and on the next day, the Lee Resolution for Independence was adapted by 12 of 13 colonies. New York didn't vote. Discussions of Thomas Jefferson's Declaration of Independence resulted in minor changes, but the spirit of the document was unchanged and late in the afternoon of July 4th was when the Declaration of Independence was adopted. Today, the original copy of the Declaration of Independence is housed in the National Archives in Washington, D.C., and July 4th has been designated a national holiday to commemorate the day the United States laid down its claim to be a free and independent nation. It's a little bit of American history. So you're, uh, you might ask yourself, well, well, why are you giving a history lesson today? You know, I mean, you know, plenty of time in school. It's, you know, it's the last thing I want to do on a Sunday morning. But what you may ask, you know, you may ask yourself, well, what is true freedom? You know, they've, they've freed themselves from the crown, so to speak. What is true freedom? Doing what pleases yourself? Is that true freedom? Doing me, 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 what I want to do? Act in any way we want to? Is that true freedom? Saying things with no regard to the outcome, is that true freedom? You see, that freedom there is more of the world's freedom. But, you know, I'm speaking, my message today, and the title of my message today is called Freedom. And a Scotsman likes his freedom too. But today we have a freedom like no other. As Christians, we have a freedom in Christ Jesus. Amen? A freedom that is more than doing as we please. A freedom more than fulfilling our desires. A freedom more than worry, depression, and despair. We have a new covenant of freedom from the law of sin and death. All we have to do, all you have to do, all we have to do, is to receive it. Amen? So I would like to share on a freedom we have as believers. And it is a glorious privilege of freedom in Christ. Now, the freedom that we have in Christ, don't get it wrong, it's not a freedom just to go and do whatever you want, because that's not what it is. You know, my dad, God rest him, he used to minister many, many times on sin. And he used to sing this, uh, do this uh, message all the time, and it always, you know, sin leaves its mark. Sin has consequences. It leaves its mark. And if you have your Bibles today, 2 Corinthians 5.17, it reads this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. You see, the relationship we have with Christ results in a new person. You know, the old things we used to do, they pass away. Now, I'm not saying it happens overnight. It could happen overnight for some people, but some people, it's a gradual process. As we get into the Word and we, and we learn more 
and we learn more of the Word of God, things start to change. You don't do the things you used to. You don't think the way you used to. You don't talk the way you used to. All things have become new. That's the change that happens in a heart. When Christ comes into your heart, he is the potter, we are the clay. Amen? See, Paul in this passage is presenting the results of Christ's death for the believer and the believer's death with him. Because believers are united with Jesus both in his death and resurrection. They participate in the new creation. That is, they receive the benefits of being restored by Christ to what God had originally created them to be. Originally created us to be. Christ's death on the cross freed us to become the people that he, our creator, designed us to be. God intends for us to be vessels of his joy, of his love, of his peace, of his long-suffering, his gentleness, patience, and goodness. This glorious privilege is ours. Why? Because we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and he lives in us. What a promise that is. What a promise. Turn to Galatians 2, 20. Very popular passages of Scripture, but it goes along with the message. Galatians 2, 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which now I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Pastor Zach was saying it this morning. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Jesus Christ died in vain. Amen? As believers, we are crucified with Christ. If, right, if righteousness is attained through keeping the law of Moses, I fail. I fail. I fail every day. I'm not the perfect person. I'm not perfect in any way, even though I like to think I am sometimes. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't. It's just, it's just not. We fail, fail, fail. But then God's gracious act of sending Christ to die on the cross to pay for sin would have been unnecessary and useless. Think about that. How often do we consider the greatness of Christ's sacrifice for us? Have we ever thought what it cost him to have this magnificent freedom in the Lord that we have today? Sometimes I don't think we can kind of fathom that in the human mind, like what really Christ has done for us. You know, we're only pilgrims passing through. We're on this world temporary, for heaven is our home. And the Bible says that the human mind can't comprehend what it's going to be like. So you can think of all this kind of stuff. You know, people have great imaginations, you know. Um, I know uh, my nephew, Cade, he's got a great imagination. He's just like, he thinks of all these things, and he thinks he's this place. And my son, Liam, he has no imagination at all. He's just like, he's either black or white. You know, it seems that way anyway. He's like black or white. But, you know, any imagination you can think of of what heaven could be like, it's beyond that. It's just beyond that. I mean, you just think about that for a minute. I mean, just think how great and awesome it must be to be with the Christ. Amen? 
If salvation has truly opened our eyes and filled us with hope, then we should glory in the ability we now have to present ourselves to the Lord as though who have been bought from, brought from death to life. See, today, as a Christian, you have been brought from death into life. What a freedom that is. I remember growing up, and my dad was an evangelist preacher many years and all through his life, and, you know, you think, what do I have to do to get closer to the Lord? What do I have to do to get closer to the Lord? Do I have to make the, you know, make this, this steps up to this ladder, you know, like, kind of like Jacob's ladder, you know, you've got to make steps higher, 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 higher to heaven. No, 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 no. You get it wrong. What's been done has been done by the cross and Jesus Christ. Amen? Having, fr- having freedom in Christ also leads us to a different person. Like how a Christian should behave. Now, I'm not going to say, oh, this is the points that you have to do to behave like a Christian. Because I fail at them. Okay? But Paul speaks of this in Romans 12, 9 and through 16. If you can turn there. Romans 12, 9 through 16. Are you still with me this morning? I'm not going to keep you long. Just another 30, 40 minutes. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Romans 12, chapter, verse 9, sorry. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, given preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patience in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints, giving to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much depends on you, live peace, peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So that's a few things that Paul is mentioning in Romans here. Very good points that you can, you can kind of base things on. Cling to what is good. It's always to be encouraged and to be with people who encourage you to do good. Amen? To, to be, you know, it's good to be around encouraging people. When you're around negative people, there was a, oh, we was on a trip. We was on this cruise ship, right? So there was this, the kids go into this kids club, you know? And so when they go, you know, you try to, oh, yeah, let's go to kids club, you know. And you go get your dinner or whatever, you know, and you send them off when, you know, because it's kind of hard to have little ones at the dinner table. Half the time the dinner took like two hours to get. And when you have little ones, you know, they get restless and there's nothing for them to do. And they're sitting there and then, you know, there's people trying to, you know, enjoy their meals beside you and all that kind of stuff. So we'd send them off to kids club, right, Bonnie? We'd send them off to kids club. And there was this guy in there, and it was so funny. You know, I'm talking about being around positive people. And he was a kid, one of the kids' director. I think he was from Macedonia, but 
what, uh, what was his name? I can't remember his name, but he would, uh, Pastor D would call him Negative, Negative Norman. Sorry, Norman. But he would call him, oh, look at Negative Norman, because every time he'd go, he'd go in there to drop the kids off, he'd be like, well, I don't know if it's a good time for you to drop them off right now. There's not much going on, and I don't know if they're going to have any fun. And, you know, it was all this kind of stuff like, you know, he was, he was working in the kids' club. You're supposed to be, you know joyous and happy, but he was always like, well, you might want to come back later and do this. Um, there's, there's really no kids here right now. You know, there's, there's nobody for them to play with. But, you know, his job was to, like, get things for them to do, you know. But, you know, he was always negative, you know, but always good to surround yourself with encouraging people that encourage you to do good. Amen. To love your neighbor. To love your neighbor. I just thought of that. It was the funniest thing. I was like, oh, there's negative Norman again. You know. <laughs> Poor guy. Be kind to one another with love. The Bible says, love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Pastor Zach ministers it to us over and over. Who's your neighbor? Anybody we come in contact with, love your neighbor. Remain hopeful, the scripture says. Be confident in God's goodness and faithfulness. Be steadfast in prayer. Ask Him to reveal Himself to you in every situation. Celebrate with those who celebrate. The Scripture says, grieve with those who grieve. Scripture says in this passage, as Paul is saying, live in harmony with each other. Realize that it is more important to be gracious than to be right. Amen? It is more important to be gracious than to be right. Amen? Overall, in these things, show love, the same love that Christ shows us. See, we are just vessels showing Christ's love to others. We can choose to serve sin and chain ourselves to its addictive, destructive behaviors, or we can choose to serve righteousness to receive Jesus. It's that freedom that shatters the chains of sin that bind us. This freedom I speak of also leads to the kind of contagious joy and peace Jesus gives us. So why would we choose the bondage of slavery that leads us to an eternal death and separation from the Lord? The freedom of Jesus to eternal life is the way to go. Don't allow Satan to deceive you. He is out to rob, kill, and destroy in any way he can. Keep your eyes on Jesus, for he alone is the source of true freedom. You know, I fail day after day after day. But I know that Jesus is there with me. You know, you ever see that thing, the footprints in the sand? You know, it's a very popular thing where Jesus is, you know, he's with you. Most of the times he is carrying us and leading us through. Jesus is the only one who can stand before the almighty God on our behalf. He is the only one who is truly righteous. He has offered us a way out of our slavery to sin. By placing our trust and faith in Him, we can be declared righteous. Not from what we do, but for what He has done. We can have a righteousness that has nothing to do with our own works, but instead relies on Jesus' sinless life and His death for our sin. Amen? He forgives us and declares us righteous because of our identification by faith with the righteousness of His Son. Through Jesus, we can finally be released from the guilt of our sin. I'm going to read a passage in 1 John. I thought it was very good. 
It reads this. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I said, I'm guilty. What's the scripture say? Confess your sins to him, and he is there to forgive him. That's not rocket science, is it? It's a promise from the Lord, and what a promise it is. Freedom. There's nothing like having freedom. Freedom even from guilt. No one likes to feel guilty. Like an unwelcome guest, guilt shows up at the worst possible time and does not go away no matter how much you wish it would. Yet the truth is that we need guilt. It is the only proper response to any offense, whether a selfish thought. Even a non-believer wants a burglar to feel remorse for his theft. Why? Because he should. Guilt exposes the truth that we wish to avoid. We have all sinned. For John puts it this way. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But... John does not leave us with this dismal picture of ourselves. Instead, he goes on to paint a glorious portrait of a forgiven God. This is our only hope. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Guilt does more than just deliver the distressing news. You know what else it does? It unlocks the door to forgiveness. C.S. Lewis said that no man knows how bad he is till he has tried very hard to be good. Amen? I'll read that again. No man knows how bad he is till he has tried very hard to be good. Pastor Zach, Pastor Zach, I commend him because I really appreciate what he teaches off the pulpit and off the, uh, from, right from the word of the Lord. And it just gives you that freedom, that confirmation that you are free. You're free. What, what more could you ask for? You are free, free through Christ Jesus. We can never know how much we need freedom until we try to unload our burden of sin. Yet, God's forgiveness will liberate us to begin anew on the path of righteousness through Jesus Christ. Freedom. Not only can we approach Christ in praise and thankfulness, we can enjoy our freedom in Him. See, we are no longer bound. We are free. We sing that song, we are free. We are free to run, free to dance. We are free to sing. Are you free today? Can you say that? Have you grasped the gospel of Jesus Christ to where you say, I'm free in the Lord? Or are you burdened down with things that happen and things that go on? The Bible promises us that if we put our faith in Christ, we are free. I used to sing a song when I was little, I am a new creation, I'm a brand new man. And that's what Christ does. He changes things. He changes things in the heart. He changes things in the spirit. What a promise that is today, to be free. 
I don't know if you ever seen that movie Braveheart, but you know, we would always shout freedom. And that's what it is. It's freedom. Freedom in Christ. And it only comes from Christ. So I encourage you today on your Independence Day, 4th of July, enjoy your freedom. Realize what you have and never look back. Never look back. You see, many people do not fully understand exactly all that takes place when we accept Jesus and we are tr when we are truly born again by the sovereign grace of God in Christ Jesus. It is God's marvelous work of salvation. We have atonement, grace, forgiveness, justification, regeneration, adoption, sanctification, redemption, and glorification. These are all things that the Bible tells us God has done to those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. You see, these are not things that we are expected to do, nor could we ever do them. We can't do any of them things. These are things that God has done to us and for us who believe, and they can never be undone. When by grace through faith we, through faith, we place our lives in the hands of Jesus Christ and cry, save me. Our lives are no longer our own. We are bought at a price. That price is the precious blood of Jesus. You see, now you've entered into a process, the end of which is certain, complete conformity to the image of Jesus Christ. You have officially become a brand new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are an eternal life from another world because heaven is your true home. And that is where you will live forever in God's holy presence, one with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Your life is hidden with Christ in God, all because of who Jesus Christ is and what he has accomplished. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that he accomplished what he accomplished on the cross this morning. You see, from that moment on, everything that happens to you is happening for the glory of God. And by His Spirit, He is using all things to work out what He has accomplished inside of you. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my presence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You see, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to God alone be the glory. So I'm encouraging you today. I've been trying to, when I encourage myself, encourage yourself to have the freedom in Jesus that he is freely given. Free. Freely given. Nothing more than a Scotsman likes something free. Right? So I encourage you today to enjoy your holiday. Enjoy the time. If the man will come up and maybe play something behind me. Enjoy the freedom you have in Christ. Because he's freely given it to you. 
And I pray this morning, if you, if you haven't found that freedom in Christ, it's there. All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is believe. I just pray today that you've been blessed with the, the gospel from the word this morning. And I pray that you will be set free. And you'll be free to run. You'll be free to dance. Be free to live for you. And that's free to live for Jesus Christ. God bless you all this morning. Amen. Thank you so much for coming this morning. As we end the service today, if there's anyone here today that maybe you're hearing this message for the first time, maybe you are sitting there wondering, okay, yeah, faith in Christ. Well, how do I get that? How do I do that? I got some good news for you. That too is a gift. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of Christ, specifically his good news. And you've heard it all this morning. If you're, here, if you're here today and you know that it's hitting you in your heart, it's true, it's true, Jesus Christ died for me. Come during this time. We'd like to pray for you. We'd like to encourage you. We'd like to welcome you into what's literally a forever family. And we want to celebrate with you. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're like me. You need to hear on a regular basis that you're forgiven. If you want to do that and you want to raise your hand and say, then confess with me that I'm a sinner, that I'm a sinner that is in need of forgiveness, feel free to do so. The good news is, just like Pastor John said, if you confess, if you confess your sins and ask Christ for his forgiveness, you have the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. And that's what Jesus said. It's his words. So now is a time for prayer. We're here to pray for you. We're here to encourage you. Any, any prayer requests that you have, if you don't, you're free to leave. Enjoy your week. And remember, you're free to love your neighbor. God bless y'all.